to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we pop open a new bottle of wine. Yes, we do, Nat. And this week we are talking navigating adult relationships with with your your parents. parents. (laughs) We've all been through it. We're going to be talking about how to identify the type of relationship you have with your parents, how to establish boundaries with your parents, and how to cultivate a healthy relationship with your parents in your adulthood, which we all have to, you know, realize and come to terms with the fact that our relationships change. We are no longer children. Yes. Yes. And we have to figure out how to have these new relationships with our parents and they're getting older. They're getting older. We're getting older. Some of us are parents now. Oh, true. That part. That part. There's a a lot going on. But we're definitely going to need wine for this episode. So what are we drinking this week, Nat? All right. We're drinking the John Anthony Napa Valley Cab from 2017. Now, I typically don't like cabs. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see how it goes. I, I'm excited for it. You're gonna pour it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the pour, guys. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna take a sip. John Anthony. Whoa. Also, the logo looks like a Christmas tree. I don't know if that was a design flaw or. Um, I like if it. It was for the holidays. I, I was. Know. I was just thinking. I had this like moment. I was driving today, and I was like, Oh my god. Christmas is coming. It's going to start being Christmas like tomorrow. I'm so excited. I almost started crying in the car. And it's not even Halloween yet. It's not. But you know that like right about now is when it's like Halloween and Christmas. Like, And you know that's how The Nightmare Before Christmas was like Tim Burton thought of it because he was in a store. Like a CVS. Yes. In Burbank. Oh, really? Yes. And he was looking and it was like this aisle was Christmas and this aisle was Halloween. And I feel bad like, for Thanksgiving. Man, it really gets it really shot on. Does. It's kind of not even cool anymore. Thanksgiving's mm. kind of like, eh. I could, I could honestly just leave. I just want to go to the movies. Oh, you go to the movies. You're one yeah. of those people. Mm-hmm. On Christmas too. Yeah, Thanksgiving. I'm hosting Thanksgiving at my house this oh, year. Oh yeah. Um. So that's one of them. One of I yeah you, yeah you, you. I have two Thanksgivings. It's a whole thing, but. I don't know. I might just have it at my house, but I'm very intimidated. I got a new table, you guys, and I'm oh, very, very excited about. This I ordered table. it in April. Mm-hmm. It has arrived. It's October. Yeah, and it's this very long table. It seats ten people, and my mom was like, "Thanksgiving's at your house." I'm yeah. like, "Okay," and it's gonna have its debut at Halloween. Well, I know I'm really intimidated by that. Do, do can you give me some help? Should I do a murder yeah. mystery party or should I not? Like, I think we could just have a standard Halloween party. Okay, but here's my thing. What do we do at the party? We eat. We drink. We play some sort of fun game. See, exactly. We play a game. Yeah. Murder mystery? What game? Bobbing for apples? What do I do? I'm very nervous about that. We can find find some. Or we could do a murder mystery. I just want to keep my costume because I already have it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're, uh, yeah. Are you going to tell them what you're going to be for Halloween? Well, here's the thing. I got this little cutie outfit for when Corinne and I went to Mexico, oh, and it came after. And I was like, "Fuck!" Like, it has these sort of like bell bottomy sort of pants and like a little like crop top situation. And then I thought I, this could be very like seventies share if I threw a wig on it. I would love to see you in a long black wig. I'm gonna be. I can't a even imagine. Wig. Really? I mean, you have dark hair right now. It's pretty long. It's getting long. But 
Yeah, I can't see Yeah, that. so I'm going to do that. I'm going to do like the share makeup. I have, have you ever seen my gold platform? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to wear those. It's going to be a moment. Wow. I don't even, well, we're going to be on different wavelengths because I think me and Joe are doing Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think we're going to wear robes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That was the last time we spoke about it. I did bring it up the other day, and I was like, is that what we're doing still? He's like, I don't know. If we do a murder mystery, I will just make my, like, let's say my character is, like, Mr. Chandler or something. I will, no, I will, was, be, okay, I will become Mr. Chandler. dude Cher. the last time because we ran out of people. You had to be the dude. You don't have to be a dude every was time. Was I a dude last time? Weren't you a dude last time? Yes, you were. You were Cabana Bob. Oh, I was Cabana, Cabana Bobby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or something like that. Something. Yeah, I was up to no good for sure. We So if you guys are listening, we, we've done two murder mystery parties. One on Halloween last year, we did 80s prom and our friend Richard died and I actually killed him. Yeah, you were the killer. I was the killer. And then we did another one, which was Margaritaville. Margaritaville. Who was the killer? Oh, it was Rachel and she was a lifeguard. Oh, the lifeguard. Yes. She killed the bartender? Jack Daniel? I think so. Anyway, so we do these often. This is something we do in our free time. Yeah, the (laughs) problem is also that I was so drunk that I'm like, I don't even remember. I mean, I remember it, but like (laughs) we had this like jungle juice sort of situation that was so delicious, but I just kept drinking it. Yeah. I'm like. We took shots. By the end, Connor had a wig on. Like. (laughs) Things like, got crazy at the murder mystery talk. party, which is why I'm thinking, do I do it for Halloween? Anyways, you guys can weigh in and let me know what to do. Yeah. Or if you have any fun Halloween party games. Oh, yeah. Please. I'm at, a, I'm at a loss here, and I'm supposed to be hosting this thing, and it's also my table's christening. Yeah. Ooh, okay, maybe my table's christening. Like, I'll turn the lights low and have, like, <gasps> candles, and I'll yes. give everyone, like, water, and we can all... <gasps> yes. Like, do, like, a weird spooky yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, I really I do want to christen it. the table. We well, we absolutely will, and then we'll take shots off of it. Yes, or maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll all go around and be yeah. like, Duh. And yeah, put, and everyone does it. Yes, shot. yes, and like put like a little drop of like tequila <laughs> on the table. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna surprise yeah. everyone. Oh my god, that'll be so much fun. Okay, well, luckily uh, our friends probably don't listen to this. Oh, yeah. Love you guys. <laughs> all right, so let's now talk about what we're here to discuss, which is navigating adult relationships with your. All right. Okay, let's get into it. And really, the first thing to know is that your relationship changes with your parents as you get older, with your adult age. And there are some things or some ways that your relationship can change. One of them being you are more likely to develop a different kind of respect for your parents than you had in your childhood. I mean, you no longer just respect your parents because they're your parents, but now you've gone through some things that they've went through and perhaps not in the same way, but you have experienced it and you Mm -hmm. know how difficult it is. And I think you look at your parents and you're like, damn. Like, wow. You you actually did it. And I'd like, I think of my mom. My mom had me when she was 25. I still can't believe it's like. And I'm 27. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, how do you have a kid before, I don't even know. 30. 30? I, I couldn't. I know. Kudos to Connie. I know. So another way that your relationship changes with your parents is you start to see your parents as real people mm-hmm. and not just these figures. When you're younger, you don't really see your parents in all of their entirety. And as you get older, you realize that your parents were people before they were parents. Isn't and that weird? They had their own hopes and dreams and desires, some of which came to fruition and some of which didn't. And 
that can be some, you know, resentment or whatever. But I think it's so interesting to think of them as, you know, people, they're people. And, and like, they didn't have it all figured out when they were raising us either. Like, think of a 25 year old, like, you know. Well, you know, what's weird is like, as we're growing up, we're also growing up with our parents. Yeah. Weird. True. So, so true. So weird. I know. The other thing is that you realize that your parents do not have all the answers. I know. I mean, that goes in hand in hand with them being real people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You also actually start listening to your parents' advice, even if you don't really agree with it. You know, despite realizing that your parents don't have all the answers, you do come to appreciate the fact that they simply do have more life experience than you do. And that they know you in ways other people don't. So even when you might disagree about little things and big things in your life decisions, you do pay attention to their advice. Yeah, I will say as my mom, you know, Connie Klein, she loves personal finance. She's been so helpful with me. Like when I was a teenager, she was like, I'm going to teach you about credit. I'm going to get you a credit card. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, hey, like, what should I do? Yeah. What am I doing this? And so it's like, I like that yeah. new angle, you know? Yeah. Like really respect what they have to say. Because it's also not like, it's not like they're telling you what to do. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's exactly. Like you're just getting the information. Yeah. And you're sharing it. Yes. And then lastly, you start to take care of your parents. Mm-hmm. And you even begin to worry about them. Because when your parents, you know, they call you unexpectedly, your heart kind of starts to race because you wonder if something bad has happened and you also start to see yourself as somebody who supports your parents and not the other way around which gives you kind of that weird sense of responsibility like yeah oh shit like what's happening with you like you know yeah like I mean my parents are younger they're in their 50s but like you know I do think they're both single and I'm like can you guys find a partner because (laughs) I cannot they've already told me they're like oh yeah we're just gonna live in your back house they get along great they're not together they're like we'll just live together in your back house and we'll just be roommates I'm like "Mm, fabulous a little pops and miss in that situation yeah (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. it's like (laughs) you guys what are you doing but I think before we start to figure out how to create these new relationships with our parents it's important to know the type of relationship that you have with your parents and there are different types right Natalie yes so there are a few different ones the first one that we're going to get into is the extremely close parental relationship okay so you will know if you have an extremely close relationship if like when you scroll through your call log it's mostly one of your parents or both parents at my mom (laughs) Connie Klein or you find yourself spilling all the details to your mom about private issues and love and dating and you know Joe gets on me about that one (laughs) (laughs) and this actually forms because Millennials and Gen Z rely a lot heavier on their parents for material support than previous generations, you know, because of the 2008 financial crisis, the housing collapse, the crushing student loan debt, unlivable wages, you know, you get the picture. picture. Mm -hmm. So it creates a longer and more close knit bond. Millennials also see their parents as experienced, so they're more likely to continue to go to them for advice or emotional support well into their adulthood. And the thing is, is this should not be really seen as a bad thing. Um, Psychologist Dr. Karen L. Fingerman says that a lot of young adults are actually happier with having extremely close connections with their parents. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, good for you. I mean, like, I do work in therapy. We Sometimes I have to detach from my mom a little uh-huh. bit more. But I do say, like, my mom calls me 
meet three to four times a day. We're establishing boundaries on that because yeah, I don't always tough. want her to call me three, three to four times a day. But I do tell her a lot of stuff. And it's been really fun, like you said, growing up with. It's kind of cool because my mom's single. So she's like dating yeah. and like I'm dating. And so it's like yeah. we kind of talk about stuff like that, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Another type of parental relationship is called, which is the opposite of this, essentially strangers mm. type of relationship. So maybe you're the complete opposite of what we just said. You come from a distant family and can't relate to the closeness you see or hear about between some parents and their adult kids. And you might you know, talk to your mom or dad once a month, tops. And when you do, the conversations are more of a strictly business type with few details and not a lot of emotional connection. And these types of relationships form because actually psychologist Joshua Coleman believes a vast shift in parenting practices and a divorce boom since the 1960s has set the stage for this to become more prevalent. And he says that because we don't have many institutional or communal forces tethering families together in our modern era, the primary Mm. thing that binds today's adult children to their parents is whether the child wants a relationship or not. Wowie, zowie. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Megan Gilligan. Gilligan. Gilligan's Island. Megan Gilligan. She's an associate professor at Iowa State University. She says that being estranged from your parents is more common than you think. And according to her studies, about one in 10 moms have a kid they don't keep regular contact with. Wow. Wow. So it is common. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is interesting. Like there's not all these things that are keeping families together anymore. So it's like, do you want to, you get more of a choice. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm more in this category of relationship. My dad said one thing, I might've said this on the podcast before, but it blew my mind. And I think about it all the time. He said, our generation Mm -hmm. fucked marriage up so bad that your generation does not trust their family, they trust their friends. And I said, 100%. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. 100%. I trust my friends yeah. implicitly. Yeah, Ooh, that's family. very interesting. Right? Another one is one rooted in anger. Mm. So maybe 20 years ago, dad was gone all the time for work or mom struggled with addiction or some combination of things that caused you a lot of pain. And now as an adult, you feel resentful about the way you were raised and the challenges that you had to face. However, Mm. Dr. Fred Luskin, director of Stanford University's Forgiveness Project, says even if circumstances were not so extreme, holding a grudge against your parents for something they did in your childhood is very normal. Yeah, I think we all have things with our parents, regardless of how much we love them. It's like... You you carry you know there's things they did that my parents weren't perfect yeah that you're like Nobody's yeah okay, yeah I remember that I'll remember that yes mm-hmm. I don't know for me I always just like I don't hold grudges I don't think I have a single grudge but I do always wonder like I wonder what my life would be like if that, that had thing didn't yeah happen. you know and I'm like hmm, I wonder what it'd be like yeah um, so this type of relationship the one rooted in anger. It forms because holding grudges happens, and in part because we often lack the understanding that parenting is an unbelievably difficult job. As kids, we also don't inherently understand that all parents are going to screw up in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Luskin from before, he says that part of growing up is dealing with whatever damage you got from your childhood and working through it. Natalie and I are expertise on yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. I also think it's our responsibility to do that. Didn't you say that the other day? Yes. It's our, like, you know, our parents 
can only control so much and they mm-hmm. can only heal so much or whatever. But like you kind of have to deal with the cards you were dealt. And like I feel like it's my responsibility to heal my own shit, whether yeah. or not my parents are, you know, gonna acknowledge it or, or yes. there or whatever. Yes. Yeah. No, if you gotta heal your own shit for yourself, but also like for the world. And if you have children, like right. don't bring that shit into the next into the next cycle. Mm-mm. Another relationship that you could have is one that you don't see eye to eye with your parent. So let's say you, you know, want to be a YouTuber and your mom would prefer that you enrolled into law school, or maybe you have a non-traditional dream job and your dad frequently reminds you to join the real world and stop being so unrealistic. Mm. It, it's very normal to disagree with your parents over money lifestyle, household standards, work habits, maybe sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Tension between parents and adult children is pretty standard in this type of relationship. And the way that this relationship forms is when disagreements are more common when the adult child depends on the parent for a great deal of support. Hmm. So think about it. If your dad's helping you pay your phone bill every month, it's hard not to feel like he gets a say in your life, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And according to the same study that that fact came from, disagreements can also arise when a parent overdoes unsolicited advice or when either the parent or child feels ambivalent about being a significant part of each other's lives think like missing parent syndrome uh-huh interesting mm-hmm. i can i mean that's i think that's very common in our age group yeah i do too i de- yeah definitely and then the the final type of relationship we're going to go into is rooted in worry so like let's say it's thanksgiving dinner and you're nagging your dad about his fourth slice of pumpkin pie or you're begging your mom to like finally quit her smoking habit you know we all worry about our parents that's a very normal thing but if it feels super consuming, then mm-hmm. that could definitely be an mm-hmm. issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know this and I am this. Yes. So this type of relationship forms because excessive worry and overparenting tends to lead to anxiety and stress in adult children. So basically, if your parents might have been a little worry worriers or overparenting, you could also maybe mm-hmm. become really anxious about them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, according to research, worrying about someone may even make them feel more loved. So it might sort of be like a kind of like a backwards thing in your head where it's like, I love you. So I'm worrying so much about you every single day and it's ruining my life. Yeah, I go to therapy for that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely go to therapy Back to for that, that whole taking care of your own shit thing. Oh, yeah. I worry about my mom so much to the point that I, I yeah, it's debilitating. Debilitating. <laughs> Guess what, you guys? It's 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 the latest we've ever recorded. We had a long-ass day. And we're hungry. And we're we drinking. We're hungry and, we're, and our blood sugar's dropping every second. Every second. Okay. Okay. So let's get into how do we know if your adult child parent relationship is a toxic. Yeah. There are some signs to see if your relationship with your parents is toxic. One of them is the constant blame game. So toxic parents love a blame game. So in these occurrences, everything is always your fault and you're always to blame for everything bad that happens in your life and theirs. And your parents might also have a total inability to take accountability and they might pass that same inaccountability down to you. Yeah. And another way is emotional blackmail. So this can manifest in many shapes, but it usually plays out as a sort of shame blame game that keeps you beholden to the historical list of life affirming gifts. Your parents have supposedly bequeathed upon you upon you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. 
So it's like, oh, I well, yeah. I did this for you. Yeah. I did that for you. You know, like yeah. they're carrying resentment. Right. And the, another thing that I realized in therapy is, well, I didn't realize it. My therapist told it to me. She was like, if a parent ever says, not that my parents have ever said this, but like, like you should be grateful. Like I'm feeding you, you know, like Ooh. when you're a kid, you know, oh, like yeah. I put a roof over your head. And it's like, my therapist was like, that's like being a parent. Like you're supposed to like feed your kid and put a roof over. Like that's standard. That's right. Therapy. That's the yeah. job. That's just, that's a job description. That's a job description. Yeah. Right. You so, don't need to feel guilty because your parents did that <laughs> because, for you. <laughs> yeah. Because actually they brought you here. You didn't choose and you simply right. exist. <laughs> That part. That part. That part. <laughs> but another way to know if your relationship is toxic is if they dismiss your feelings. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Or if they're always on the attack. So parents who criticize you go out of their way to point out your flaws, belittle you. Those are very toxic people, you guys. And on the other side of that, when conflict is the norm, you find yourselves constantly at odds and constantly at one another's throats. Like it's a massive red flag that cannot be ignored. Yeah. Yeah. They also, another thing is that they might not have respect for your boundaries. Yeah. And another one is love and competition. So as you age, you might notice that what was once a more supportive relationship morphs into a competitive one. So more and more your parent begins to see you as and makes their love more of a competition than an unconditional badge of support and affection. Ooh. Another toxic trait to look out for is conditional love. Mm. So is the love and affection your parents show you completely conditional? Like if you went off the grid tomorrow, dyed your hair verbal, changed your name to like Herbie. Ooh, <laughs> call me Herbie. I mean, would they welcome you with open, you know, arms into their home? Unconditional love means unconditional love. Right. And it means letting people lead their own journeys and loving them in spite of it. Yes. There's this quote. I love it. It's um, um, letting somebody be exactly who they are is the loudest way to love them. Oh, I love that. And I fully agree. That's like, I just let everybody just, I love everybody. Um, and, and then uh, the, the last toxic trait that we're going to talk about is, you know, refusing to listen, you know, to listen to your point of view, to listen on all of these things, like mm-hmm. who you are, who you want to be. Um, if they're not open to having a conversation with you, how could you have a relationship with them? Exactly. You know? So that from yes. that, if that is your situation, uh-huh. how do you rebuild a relationship with your parents? Okay. So the most important element to rebuilding a relationship with your parents is to realize that like you, they are only human. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, be clear about how you want to reconnect and establish very firm boundaries, which we will go into in a second. Put a Mm -hmm. pin in that. Mm -hmm. Put a pin in that. And realize that our generation has done a significantly more amount of therapy than our parents have. And a lot of them are unable to adequately express their emotions and are emotionally triggered by things that they have left unhealed. And for us, it's important to continue to go to therapy, work on our mind-body connection, and do the things that kind of like calm our nervous systems to kind of take the triggers down. Yeah, you know, it's this is if you want to have a relationship with them. Yeah. If they're doing any of these things to you, and like we just mentioned, and you don't want to have a relationship with them, that's okay. That's fine too. But if you do, I mean, like we said, you know, we need to have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. So between parents and adult children, healthy boundaries have a flow and a flexibility that respects the adult child autonomy. Mm-hmm. So it might not always feel comfy. Mm-hmm. you know, when a boundary needs to be set, but it should feel safe 
to do so. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the parents, <laughs> the parents, oh. um, the parents and the adult child, you know, they aren't connected by bullying, over monitoring, or hyperdependence. The connection is formed through healthy boundaries is based on self-awareness and other awareness and mutual respect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first way Mm -hmm. to, you know, start this healthy boundary life with your parents is to start with reinforcing the existing healthy boundaries. So when you notice areas of your relationship where healthy boundaries are at work, offer reinforcing words of appreciation. So if your dad tends to respect your career decisions, even if it's, you know, not your relationships or your your health or whatever, tell him how much you appreciate that about him and how, you know, this support inspires your work. Positive reinforcement. You you know, like, oh, what are they they doing right? Let's start there. What are they doing right? And let's like be like, this is so great. Thank you for doing that. Then you could be like, and then you can do it here too. And then also like maybe just a little bit on the other thing. Okay. Hey, that's a really great tip. I love that. Yeah. The next thing you can do is notice unhealthy boundaries and to define your needs. So take a step back and carefully consider the areas of your relationship that need work. So pay attention to ongoing experiences and conversations with your parents where invasiveness, disrespect, abusiveness, or guilt tripping occur. Yeah. So make a little listy. So we got what's working. Mm -hmm. We got what's not working. What's working and what's hurting. What's What's working and what's hurting. (laughs) Also, set one healthy boundary at a time. So to avoid overwhelming yourself or your parent, focus on creating a shift in one boundary issue at a time. If boundary setting feels challenging or anxiety-inducing, start with easier boundary violations issues at first. So say guilt tripping you when you have to reschedule your dinner date or something like that. It's like, oh my God, my mom does that. I'm sorry, mom. I love you. I love you. But she, if, we, if I'm like, oh, you know, me and Joe, we can't make it up. What? But I never get to see you. And oh, are you sure? Oh man, I was. It's all I was looking forward to this week. It's like I said. How is this the only thing you're looking forward to in the week, Mom? I talk to you every day. I talk to you four times a day. You know. So yeah. So uh, the next thing you can do is to keep your cool. So it can be helpful to ground your body before you enter into communication with a pushy parent. Mom, pushing me when I can't make dinner, okay? (laughs) And this is really important because anticipating the need to defend yourself can manifest into a poor interaction. If you're like, oh, this is already going to go bad. And then you kind of come in with that energy. Yeah. Then it it might. Energy is everything. Yeah. So staying grounded can also help you keep the conversation on the rails, especially if your parent tries to negotiate, goes into guilt trip mode or busts out the very, you know, manipulation tactics causing you to set the boundary in the first place. Mm -hmm. Very triggering. Yes. The whole thing is we're trying to not get triggered. Call, to get call the out of nervous here. system, heal the shit, you know, go into it trying to keep your cool. Yeah. Trying yeah. Keep your cool. Another thing, if you're starting to set boundaries, you can use I statements, which we've, you know. Very important. Yeah. People learn in couples therapy too. Like, I feel disrespected when this occurs in the future. This is what I need. Mm-hmm. So using I statements like I feel upset versus you statements like you upset me keeps your heart to heart feeling oriented and Mm non-blaming, which increases the odds of a positive and cooperative reaction from your parents as opposed to defensive finger pointing or deflecting. Yeah. Which is, and again, when people get triggered and it feels like you're attacking them, they're going to, they're going to be defensive. Mm -hmm. So, hey, we get it. Mm -hmm. 
Also, give yourself time to adjust. Some parents might naturally appreciate and honor your new boundaries without much effort, while others may struggle when adult children begin to create changes that bring up feelings of discomfort and anxiety. So still, others may overtly refuse to accept and honor the new you. Mm -hmm. Your parents might not be disrespecting your boundaries intentionally, but emulating what they learned or did not learn from their parents. Parents actually often fail to recognize and heal from their own trauma. So it might take you breaking the cycle for them to not only recognize what's at the core of their boundary issues, but also to recognize them as issues at all. Yeah. So they like, they're so used to living the way that they've been living. And I do think because mental health and therapy became more, you know, widespread, more common, more talked about, like Mm -hmm. we are, I think a lot healed than our parents. For sure. And of course, like the generation above them. Uh And so like they're carrying stuff because they didn't feel like they had a place, at least I know my parents. Yeah. They're carrying stuff because they didn't feel like they had a place, a safe place to work through it. Right. So sometimes creating a boundary with them is true because they have their own things you know uh-huh. like my dad was adopted so he has this whole you know abandonment right. thing and right. my mom is yes I love her to death but you know all yeah. this stuff yeah my dad has a lot of triggers around money and I'm like I explained generational trauma to him and he was like oh my god like mm-hmm. oh I didn't have any idea and he's like that makes so much sense because it's like his dad and then his grandpa and then it just like goes on and on and it's again you got to break the cycle. Yeah. You got to break the cycle, But people. also, I mean, the point of this is that to give them time to adjust, right? Like, yes. Like, we're coming from a more healed place than they are. Yeah. So it we might be a little that. jarring. Mm-hmm. Also, you need to set some consequences. So when your parent disrespects the new boundary you've set, you may need to repeat your request with a consequence noted. Mm-hmm. So let's say your mom knows you feel disrespected when she comments on your appearance or something, yet it that she does it anyway. You need to let her know the consequence of continuing to do so, such as maybe taking a hiatus from connecting with her for a week or wow. whatever you decide. Yeah, that though, yeah. And then should she cross that line again, you got to repeat the boundary and the consequence and then make sure to follow through on the consequence every single time. Wow. That's it's tough. like raising a dog. I was gonna say just like Archie because he's been barking half of this episode, and I'm like, I can't positively reinforce the negative right. behavior. Right, we can't go out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So now that we've got the boundary setting down, how do we maintain and cultivate a healthy relationship with our parents? Yeah, one important thing to do when you're cultivating a healthy relationship with your parents is to remember that you're an adult. Stay an adult. True. So parents and adult children risk falling into age-inappropriate communication patterns, and mm-hmm. adult children may lapse into speaking and acting younger than they are, particularly during disagreements. Oh. And parents, in turn, may lapse into speaking to adult children as though they're speaking to a child mm-hmm. and maybe make inappropriate demands or offering unsolicited advice. So if this happens, parents and children can actually take a step back and shift into speaking more like adults. Okay, very And I will say sometimes when I come home for the holidays, I really become a teenager again. I'm like, um, I'm in a bad mood. You're I'm messy. I'm all of a sudden, I'm messy. I'm so clean at home. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to clean anything. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm an adult. What am I doing? You're like, I'm a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. <laughs> 
Another thing you can do for a healthy relationship is develop your own identity. Mm -hmm. So you grew up as a child into an adult with values that your parents raised you with, but that does not mean you are not different from your parents in a number of ways. So your generation is different. So you may have varied opinions on a number of issues. And the first step is to recognize that you are different from your parents with your own dreams, your own goals, your own aspirations, favorites that may not be what they expect of you. True. You know, Very create true. your own your own life, your yes. own bubble, your own likes. You know, you don't have to stay rooted in what they, you know, raised you as. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is your life is actually yours. Oh, isn't it? Is that, that is the fun part of being an adult. Like I'm your like, life. Oh, I can do whatever I want. It's your life. You can do, it is yours. Yeah. I love that. Another way is via financial independence. So when finances between parents and adult children become very commingled, uh, either in times of need or as a matter of routine, the lines between adults can can become blurred. And that might result in family tension or unspoken resentments and limitation of healthy independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a certain point when you're at an age and you're like, okay, we have to break the ties. And I think your relationship, when I became financially independent, like really changed with my parents because I I did feel like if we did disagree on something, I was like, well, I mean, it's fine. I'm on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't like, depend on you guys You can't do anything anymore. to me. Yeah. 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 That kind of goes back to that that um, one relationship type that's like, if you heavily depend on them, it's like, oh, they still get a say in my life. Yeah. You know right? what I mean? You can't like do what I just said, develop your own identity. Or exactly. So another healthy habit is to just enjoy each other's company. Navigating the process of setting and maintaining healthy boundaries with your parents is difficult work. But the benefit is that you get to enjoy a new dimension to your relationship. And the more practiced you and your parents become at accepting this new version of your relationship, rather than trying to exert control over it, the more joy that you will experience together. And you can rediscover and share mutual interests. You can also look for common interests to invest your time in. Yeah. I feel like my dad and I have done that. Yeah. What are your common interests? Oh, I don't think we have common interests. Um, but like, we like to hang. If we're hanging out, it's yeah, like, I like to hang out with my parents. Yeah, we can totally hang out now. I mean, my dad and I like to like travel and yeah, like hang out by the pool. I guess I, that's a common interest. Hey, to me. it's a common interest. But yeah, I think we've been through a lot. He, he and I, and I have set very strong boundaries, but they work for us. And so now it's like, hey, we can hang. Yeah, we can hang. And lastly, consider family therapy. If you don't feel like you have the tools to heal deep-rooted wounds, consider family therapy. If your family members are dedicated to growing closer, then they should come around to this idea. Actually, off this, I was working with somebody who I'm not going to say their name because I want to protect their privacy, but I was working with someone who told me that they recently got their reluctant parents to go to family therapy. It was such oh. an interesting way. So she is Asian American, uh-huh. and she said that, you know, culturally, their culture didn't really accept therapy. That's very similar in the black Common. community as well. There's a lot of stigmas. And she said that she found an Asian American therapist okay. for her family. And she was like, that made my mom, and it was an older woman. So she's like, okay. it made my mom feel like, oh, this is, you know, someone I can relate to right. who understands our family's, um, you know, culture and traditions and like the ways that we're kind of butting heads because it was in that, that, 
that world. Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting way to go about it. So if you're struggling getting your family members to go to therapy and you're a person of color, like maybe looking for a therapist that is, you know, the same color as your family could open your, you know, older family members to feeling like safe. Yes. I was going to say that a lot of people don't want to go to therapy or they don't want to start therapy because they're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell them so, like I'm going to have to tell them the whole story. Like, uh. But if you have somebody that's potentially more like aligned with your culture that understands it, mm-hmm. you won't have to do explain all the nuance. Right. You know what I mean? So right. that would make you like, okay, that makes it easier. Yeah. And That's I mean, what I was going to say. If you have heard from this whole <laughs> this whole entire episode, how much we benefit from therapy and how much yeah. therapy is going to be if you want to have a healthy relationship with your parents, like the core of it. Whether if it's just you, if you can't get your family to go, then you just you have go. To go. Yes. If you're struggling, yes, because you know, again, it's your responsibility to heal it, mm-hmm. to heal your stuff. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing to, let's get them in therapy. Let's get, let's get a group session going. Would love a group sesh. We love a group sesh. So that's the episode. And we hope that you guys learned more about how to navigate your relationship with your parents in adulthood, how these relationships change over time, and how to cultivate a healthy relationship with your parents as you both age. As you both age. You're both growing up. Isn't yeah, that because, weird? I mean, it is really, really for me, like it feels so sweet to have a good relationship with my parents now. And I love hanging out with my dad. And I mean, right now, I feel like emotionally we're at the same age. Right, right, right. He's 53, but he's really 27. (laughs) And we're like, is he 27? He might be 23. Yeah. You know? But like, we go out, we have fun, we'll go to a bar, we'll go to a club together. We love love a club. And it's fine. We love a club. And it's definitely. Well, actually, he was taking me to clubs when I was 10. So has it changed over time? I don't know. Not really. But at least I can participate in the At least it's fun now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, so now let's circle back on this one. What is it? John Anthony? John Anthony Cab. Okay. I have thoughts. Okay. Should we introduce our hottie of the week? Oh, yeah. You can can introduce her. All right. Well, well, uh, our little hottie this week is a Miss Angelina Jolie because, first of all, she is estranged from her father. So, she is. So that's She's like a little boundary with him. Yeah. She said, nope. She said, you're not going to do this to me. <laughs> so back the fuck off. So there's that element. But also she is a parent of many children from many cultures. Six to seven children. Six to seven. I, who she knows? Has, she definitely has three of her own. And I think she I think she has six. And three that aren't hers. I I believe. Adopted. Yes. I, that sounds about right. She's got a. There could a, be more. She's got a little black girl. She's got some Asian children. Zara, I think one of them is. Yeah, there. Zara. And then there's Maddox. I remember yeah, Maddox. Maddox is like infamous. He was, yeah, because he was the first. And he had a mohawk. And he had a mohawk. And she was a, she was just her. She yeah, was a like single mom. mom. I love her. And then uh, Mr. Brad Pitt came along and then they had Shiloh. Shiloh. Oh, what is their other one's name? They had twins. Twins. A boy and a girl. I want to say it's like Violetta or something. It's, yeah, it's like something in like Knox or something. I have kind no of. idea. She has a lot of kids. And I feel like, I feel like there's parent. one more we're forgetting and I'm going to feel sorry for it. No, him. no, no. There's not. I don't think. There's two Asian Americans. There's Maddox, Zara. We're saying all their Who's names. Who's the wrong. third? There's one more. I don't know his yes, name. Yes, that's what I'm saying. We left him out. Oh, I don't know his name, unfortunately. <sighs> I also it's can't. a lot to keep up with. It's a, there's a lot and of I them. I don't know them personally. <laughs> no, never seen them. <laughs> so I, sh- I don't know if I should know any of their names. The fact that we know their names in the first place is kind of, I don't think I've thought of them for years yes so and she's also a really great parent because i think shiloh has identified in different ways yeah i don't really know their like exact orientation but Uh she's really let shiloh express 
themselves however they want. Yes. I and mean, I'm saying they because I don't know if it's yeah. they or not. Right. So I'm just right. gonna go there. They is a good way to so go. I just feel like she's a great hottie of the week. We're rating this. We're rating I it. I feel insane. We can never ever no. record the sleep. The fact that the sun's going down. I like, like I feel like I'm gonna fall asleep at the mic. Well also like <laughs> I think people also don't realize Corinne and I are like extremely busy people like we have like i wake i i work from like 7 a.m to 11 p.m i'm unwell so we're a little tired we're a little tight tight okay let's okay and the the wine's putting me to sleep yeah okay, so um the john anthony one to angelina jolie what are your thoughts you said you had some thoughts here's the thing i really like it i love it it's good it's great do uh, we do an angie i think for a cab it might be an angie I'm which gonna is say, crazy because the last like episode cab. we did Another 10 out of 10. Yes. But this is a great cap. This is a great... I can't not give it an Angie, I don't think. Angie out of Angie. Shit. Wow, we've wow. had two home runs in a row. Good wow. for us. Great for us. We love that for us. This I really feel... For our listeners, if you're like, hmm, I wonder what this would go with because it's an Angie out of Angie, I could definitely fuck up a steak with yeah, this. Yeah, it's a very steak wine. Prime 112 with a little butter on it, a little garlic butter situation. <laughs> That would be the dream with this. I'll link it in the show notes if you guys want to pick up a bottle. Yeah. All right. This is the time of the episode to play a little wrap-up game. And today we are doing our that segment we've been promoting, which is random advice, um, where you guys write in anonymously. We mm-hmm. will answer, read your life advice that you guys need, and mm-hmm. we'll give you our bestie advice. Advice. Hit us with the first one. Okay, so the first one says, hey, I need some random advice. The little eek face, you know. Yeah. It said, my friend and I are going through a rough patch, and I don't know how to initiate the conversation. We both have been in the wrong, but I'm scared to tell her things that I feel as I worry I'm going to bring up a lot of unsaid things and blow up into this whole thing. I love her and want the best for her, but just don't know if we can stay friends if we can't properly communicate. What do you guys think? Okay. Okay. We did do an episode navigating adult friendships. Yeah. Which you can go back and listen to. Yes. Because it does talk about breaking up with a friend, which you kind of mentioned, like, if we can't communicate, we can't be friends. And I think something to also consider is... If you are willing, like, it sounds like you are willing to communicate and you're willing to, like, put this work in. If she is not, I think you're going to have to call it quick on that. And and also, I love that you said that you can admit that you've been in the wrong too. Yes, yes. So that tells me you're ready to have, like, an honest relationship. And maybe the conversation starts with you Accepting responsibility for whatever you did. Yes. Because that kind of opens the door for her to be like, but if you do that, if you're like, hey, you know what? I know I was wrong here and here and here. Yeah. And I, and you know, extend that apology. And use those I statements, Miss Girl. Right. Extend the apology to her and said, you know, I'm sorry. And you know something you shouldn't do? Don't say I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if I made you upset. No, just say I'm sorry for doing this. Yes. Yes. Or the other one is don't say, I'm sorry that um, you feel. I'm sorry that you feel sad about that. No, 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 no. no. Just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that- the action that you did. Yeah. And you, it's going to be very telling because if she cannot do the same, I don't think you guys can have a relationship. Yeah. Because she's not emotionally mature. Yeah. You're on two emotional levels. Which is really sad. Which is hard. And I've been there and Corinne's been like, you know, it just is. 
We've both had friendship breakups. Yes. And it's tough, but I think it is, it will come down to her like receptiveness. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes, you know, if you come into it calmly, I don't think a lot of things that are unsaid will blow up, but they Mm -hmm. might, they might come out. She says, I have some things to bring up. She, she should in a calm way. You should a nice calm way because you need but to I think get starting those things with, out with with you owning up is going to put her walls down. Ex- yes, so she can hear you. Yes, and to be cal- like going calmly and like not angry and use the I statements we just talked about. Gotta hit those I statements, girl. Okay, so that was that one. We Hopefully have another. We have another that we really liked. Hold, please. Okay, so this one says, and let us know by the way how yes, that turned out. Yes, please. For you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would love. We're to here hear. for you. Yeah. Okay, so here's the next one. It says, hi, I hope that both of you are doing well. I was curious as a man listening to this podcast, how men can improve to make the lives of women easier. I'm trying to get better and I would love to hear what you have to say. Don't hold back. I want to hear everything you have to say, good or bad. P.S. I'm a big fan. I love the podcast. Let me just say right now. King. We love you. We stan you. We are in love with you and we love you. Mr. Wowie Mr. Uh, Anonymous. Mr. Anonymous. Mr. Perfect. You have you have really blown us away with this one. You've really blown us away with this one. You really have. And I think, oh my God, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's part of it. It's like, we're blown away by a man being like, how can I be respectful of you? You know? He says, how men can improve to make the lives of women easier. Do you have some things? I have thought about this, so I already know. Okay, you, you start, and I'll start thinking. I think that men can improve. I don't know about it improve, but I think one thing that's going to make women's lives easier and that you're going to get a lot of praise for is just acknowledging the struggle that women face. Yes. Like, to be able to just... Because I think a lot of what is tiresome for women is, one, we have so many things that we're up against, but two, mm-hmm. we also have to explain it right. to men. Right. Like, we're already up against all this stuff. Our stress level's at a max. And then right. we have to explain the patriarchy. And then we have to explain how we've been held back in society, how the workforce is not situated for us to succeed. Like, right. if we don't have to explain it to you and you're like, oh, I get it. I acknowledge yes. it. I know that women have a diff- more difficult time in this, 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 this. Yes. Physically, mentally, in society. That takes our the the pressure down a little bit. Oh, Because yeah. I don't have to now explain it to you. Or even if, if you were to ask, like, your female friends or your girlfriend or your mom, whoever is in your life, to be like, you know, what are some of the ways that, like, you wish you were seen more or something mm. like that? Like, to ask yeah. And then let them tell you because I think the other thing that that I would love for them to stop doing <laughs> is the mansplaining. Like if I tell you something and then you explain it to me when I'm actually telling you, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think acknowledging and you know I'm going to tell our listener here. This is this is not politically correct, but I'm telling you right now, there is nothing sexier than a than a man at a woman's march. Oh my God. Oh, fuck me up with oh a man at a woman's my march. God. I'm telling you right now, every straight man that goes to a woman's march has gotten action that night. Okay, and let me tell you something else. <laughs> let me tell you something else, Mr. Anonymous. I actually took a screenshot of this. I blocked your name out. Don't worry. But I did put it in my close friends group on Instagram. So it was just the question. Within 20 minutes, I had 19 
DMs from all girls saying, protect this man at all costs. Because you're asking we the questions. We love him. Yes, king, we stan you. Be- you know what it is? Like I said, it's the acknowledgement. He's like, yes. hey, I know I have to do something. Yes. And I know that I'm aware that women have, there's a discrepancy here. What can I do? How can I be better? And that's what I'm saying. Like the acknowledgement is the first key. It's like, yes. yes. Even if you come from, you know, if you're a man and you come from poor background or you've had to face adversity, the one thing you haven't had to face is your gender. Yes. And being able to acknowledge that and being like, okay, well, like what can I do? Yeah, I think the other... You're already winning, Mr. Perfect. Right, you're already (laughs) winning. Yeah, the system's rigged for you. But, and then one little tiny extra thing that a lot of men actually don't really consider, which is interesting to me, is that we literally never feel safe. Like, if we walk out of the door, we don't feel safe. So if there's any way in which you can make a woman that you know, or even a stranger, like, if you see a man kind of like doing something that, and oh she's, my God, please. If you inner. step in, oh my God. And also like. I will marry you on the spot. I don't know. <laughs> like even being aware of like, like if you're walking down an alley and you see a woman yes. like turning around. Do just not like, follow her down the alley. But like, or just like, not because you're being creepy, just, just realizing like we're operating the world in a different place where yes. the world is dangerous for us. Yes. It is stats and we're worried about someone pulling us and raping us. And yes. if you're like, hey, you know what? This woman's walking alone. I probably can go the other way just yeah. so she doesn't feel yes. worried. Yes, because I guarantee you she is worrying. Oh, I'm 100%. One, one trillion percent. I have my pepper spray and my sound alarm on at all times when I'm walking anywhere because yeah. I'm like ready to protect. Yeah, you got it. You got to. Which is crazy. Yeah. But anyways, you know what, listener? We love you. We love this you. made our day. We, You're already on the right track for even asking. You got Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. And that's our episode. So okay. feel free. If you have a random advice that you want us to answer, you can DM us at am I doing this right pod or email us at am I doing this right pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review right now. Definitely rate and review. Check out the Instagram. And share this with a friend because this is a good one. Everybody has to deal with this Everybody shit, honestly. This one. <laughs> honestly, um, well, Natalie and I are going to pass out on the mic. So we're yes. going to go. But we, we will be back next week yes. with another episode. And we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. Bye.